Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Triple in for Chuck Free. He'll be back tomorrow night. A lot of the main things to get into. But I want to start off with something that I'm kind of baffled. I was looking at um, online Athens, Athens Banner Herald. Devin Willick's parents don't attend press conference called by injury law firm. Okay. Of course, Devin Willick, the uh, George offensive lineman, tragically killed in that car wreck. And I'm just going to read you a snippet. Press conference called by a personal injury law firm Thursday afternoon. That was to include the parents of Georgia football player Devin Willick was pushed back and then held without them. Now, the guy's name is uh, Roy Willie, and uh, he was speaking outside the courthouse with a, his banner, Go Big Injury Lawyers. It was affixed to his uh, podium. This sounds kind of sleazy to me, I don't, but you know, whatever. But the thing is, though, he said he was representing Willick's parents, Dave and Charlene Willick. Well, Dave Willick told the AJC he only learned of the press conference from seeing it on the news and that he does not plan any legal action at this time. Quote, no, George is working with us. We have no reason to do that because they are compensating us 100%. Now, what does that possibly mean? George is compensating the parents of Devin Willick. I don't. It doesn't mean anything's bad's going on. I don't understand. And why are the lawyers involved? Well, I can tell you why. <laughs> it's pretty opportunistic, right? And I'm not going to crap on injury lawyers. They do serve a good purpose, but a lot of them abuse the profession, and sometimes it gives them a bad name. But, you know, a lot of them are, are quite good. And, uh, and when you're hurt and can't miss work, you know? <laughs> but what is the angle here? Is it because uh, the girl that was driving the car, she's on the staff at Georgia? So this injury law firm is going to try to attach liability to the University of Georgia because she's on staff? But he didn't have to be in the car with her. This was late at night. I mean, these were two dudes and two girls hanging out. This sounds like a a social situation to me. So is that what their angle is? And they're going to try to extrapolate that further by saying, you know, think of all the uh, lost Revenue possibly earned by him had he gone to the NFL, and chances are he would since he's a Georgia offensive lineman. It's just uh, weird. The fact that uh, the father is saying, uh, we didn't even know about the press conference. Georgia's compensating us. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a big pub- publicity stunt by that law firm. Let's go ahead and uh, do that. But he also said, you know, the family would like to be left alone at this time while you're shedding more light on the incident by having a press conference. (laughs) Prompting the AJC to call the father, who you said wants to be left alone in their time of mourning. Wow. Talk about 
It just seems sleazy to me, sleazy and opportunistic. And like I said, I'm not going to crap on that entire profession. One of my best friends who passed away a couple of years ago, he, he, was, he was an injury lawyer, very, very, very good at his job. If you ever saw his house and cars. <laughs> but not all of them are bad, but that just seems extremely sleazy to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I mean, a press conference with your uh, law firm's banner prominently displayed. And then the father says, uh, we didn't even know about the press conference. We're not even looking at legal action. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that they can't go after the uh, family of that girl because she is a college graduate and, a, and an adult. Now, had she been a minor and did that, then I, I guess the family could be liable in a civil suit. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a uh, presuming things and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just, I was just uh, kind of, I wasn't really planning on starting the show with this, but I just read it a little while ago and just kind of struck me as kind of, uh, ugh, kind of gross. But we have a lot of things to get into. Of course, we got big playoff weekend. We got the Jags and Chiefs on Saturday at 430. Eagles Giants Saturday night, 815. Both these teams are really different since they met in week 14 where the uh, Eagles just pounded the Giants 48-22. Stark differences, actually. And that whole notion of, uh, well, it's almost impossible to beat a team three times in a row. No, it's not. I saw a stat today. I think it's happened 23 times where a team beat a team twice in a regular season. They meet in the postseason. 14-9 record for the team that's uh, 2-0. So, no, it's not impossible to beat a team a third time. Again, just those little sports axioms we always seem to accept. Like the other night, you know, uh, Peyton and I, Eli Manning were kind of mocking the notion of, uh, well, the uh, halftime adjustments. And what they say, well, we go to the bathroom, eat a couple of oranges, and, you know, readjust our equipment. We're only there for like three minutes. So that's a really overblown thing. Of course, there's some things you can tweak. And I heard Andy and Randy talking about this today. Hell, Peyton Manning did all of his adjustments at the line of scrimmage before he uh, launched into his cadence. So we didn't really need halftime for that purpose. You go in, yeah, but you, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges. There you go. So, and we also got Bengals-Bills on Sunday at 3. And that's an interesting matchup. Think about this. Both these teams were big favorites last week, and they struggle against opponents with backup quarterbacks. So, is this going to be a 60-58 a to 58 game? I, I don't know. I don't know. And, of course, the uh, Cowboys 49ers, man, talk about – nostalgic matchup in the playoffs. They met three times in a row at 93, 94, 95, I believe, in the NFC Championship. It was Troy Aikman against Steve Young. And, of course, you remember the catch, which launched uh, the 49er uh, dynasty in, uh, what was that, 82? Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, Tom Brady in the stands as a kid, big 49er fan. So uh, going to break down all these games, of course. And uh, clearly, clearly, my mocking of the Atlanta Hawks has done some good because I've been hard on them the last uh, couple of weeks, and justifiably so, and not in a hateful, dismissive way, just as a I'm a fan and I'm disappointed kind of way. But clearly, of all the most inspirational figures that have ever existed in history, Nick Ressler has to be in the top five. Aha, aha, you know. They've won four in a row. They beat Luke and the Mavs. And uh, we're going to talk about this fact. There is a lot of – it's almost spooky how parallel 
Luca's existence with the Mavs is and Trey's existence with the Hawks is, the states of the state of the organizations and, and, and all of that stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna hear from uh, Trey and Nate. And uh Luca struggled in the second half last night. He still got his thirty points, but I think he's like one and one for four in the fourth quarter. I think DeJounte Murray was kind of blanking him. And uh we gotta find this. Uh I saw this today and uh Mike and Carl played it. Jonte Murray on with uh, Matt Barnes and uh, Stephen Jackson. He had some interesting things to say about the way he was perceived when drafted. And, uh, you know, that Spurs culture, and maybe he just didn't quite jive with it. But uh, I'm telling you, I'm liking Jonte Murray more and more. He seems like kind of a a stoic, no-nonsense guy. You know, I'm liking him more and more. I haven't really gotten to know him. And Carl was talking about that. We haven't really gotten to know him yet. We're starting to get an idea. Like when uh, back in that game, I can't remember the particular game it was, but everybody's uh, criticizing Nate McMillan for not calling a timeout late in the game. And uh, Jonte Murray uh, missed a couple of free throws, and he clapped back at Carl. That's, that's, the new, uh, that's the new vernacular. He clapped back. You have to do the clap back emoji. Say, no, nah, I should have made the free throws. So I kind of like that about him. So uh, Nick's in town to, uh, tomorrow night, and that should always uh, be interesting when the Knicks come to town. I guess the uh, – People that have never been to New York or yet Knicks fans will be there tomorrow night with their Knicks gear on. Kind of like the same people that uh, big Laker fans never even crossed the border between Nevada, Arizona, and California. Never crossed the border. I did. I've been to California once. Bachelor party. Vegas, 99. We, we went to Vegas. Then we rented a car, drove down to Hoover Dam, and I said, guys, I've never been to California. So we drove enough over the border in the desert and I peed on a Joshua tree, and I'd been to California and went back to Hoover Dam and back up to Vegas. So that's, my, that's the extent of my trip to California. Never been to a big city, though. So, And a lot of coaching news going on. Byron Leftwich fired as the offensive coordinator. I guess Todd Bowles is our cleaning house. And now Todd Munkin, Georgia's OC, is linked to that gig. I'm sure he's getting a lot of phone calls. Hell, Kirby's getting calls right now, too, gauging his interest in NFL jobs. And what is the most attractive NFL gig out there? We're going to get into all of that, of course. But the Munkin thing is fascinating. And the team's, of course, trying to uh, figure out. And I think the Rams have pretty much dispatched their entire coaching staff as Sean McVay is coming back. I'm sure he probably put in a call to Todd Munkin as well. Would Todd Munkin want to move? I don't know. I have no idea. And Alabama's defensive coordinator goes to Ole Miss. That's a step down. But maybe that just shows you what – how Nick, how Nick Saban can just kind of wear you down to the nub when you work for him. He wants to go where he can uh, hang out with Lane Kiffin and uh, win eight, nine games, and that's considered a good year at Ole Miss. Maybe he couldn't stand the heat in uh, Alabama. So, <laughs> And we're going to hear from uh, the likes of uh, Jalen Hurts. and uh, His shoulder could be an issue. That SEC, that SEC, that SC joint sprain in his shoulder, that's his right shoulder, too, that uh, – that throwing shoulder, and he says, I have a bounty on me every week, especially now, this weekend with that. That's what you do in football. That shoulder sprain, it just means more. It just means more, man. That's right. <laughs> the SEC. <laughs> it just means more. Well, you heard about that, how irrational the Iron Bowl is. There was these uh, rednecks, and uh, I think it was one year Auburn beat Alabama, and this woman, big, big Bama fan, and I think it was her niece or something or a friend, she kind of laughed or she wasn't sad enough 
that Alabama lost to Auburn, though she shot her, killed her. It just means more, man. That's passion. That is passion right there. And I bet to this day, sitting in her jail cell in Montgomery, <laughs> I ain't apologizing. I'd do it again. Because it just means more. It just means more. I know, Tammy. I know it does. <laughs> of course, we'll do an index tonight where I just throw out random numbers, and uh, we're going to rank them. But uh, we'll come back, and we'll, we'll get into the Hawks' uh, four-game winning streak. I'm not over the moon about it. I'm happy-ish, sure. But there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Ton of ton of unanswered questions. But you got to be happy at least. And I know Steve Coonan has come on with our Dukes and Bell and said, you know, wait till we get he- healthy. Well, Clint Capella's back for now. I wouldn't be surprised he got hurt again, though. And I'm not – I don't mean to pile on He doesn't like being injured and staying out of games. It just, it just annoys you, though, when – Guys that you depend on on a team, they just can't stay healthy. They don't like the fact they're not healthy. You know, most of them is very frustrating. And they feel like they're walking through that locker room with their teammates looking at them a certain way. Dude, you always hurt. But they're so talented, though, when they are available and they're such a vital part of what you want to do. It's, it's a frustrating thing. And certainly the fan base, we're very cynical about the whole thing. And I've been over this time and time again how we just don't really allow athletes their humanity just because they're athletes and uh, make a lot of money, so we have to crap on them based on that. So, But we're going to come back. We'll hear from uh, Trey Young and, uh, and Nate McMillan as the Hawks have now won four in a row. Nick's in town tomorrow night. You can hear that right here, Sports Radio 1990 Game. Two minutes to go now. Hawks lead by a point. DeJounte dribbles right. DJ now backs up. Fires a three. Bang! DeJounte Murray hits the three. The Hawks lead by four. A minute 48 to go. That's a 30-point night for DeJounte Murray. Ah, the legend himself, Steve Holman. Always a good thing when he says, bang! Bang! (laughs) 30 for... Jante Murray last night, eight Hawks in double figures, 131-22 the final. Hawks now have won four in a row. Like I said, it was because of my ritual mocking of them last week, raking them over the coals, mocking them, made them doubt their own existence. It had to be done. Tough love. My tough love paid off. I'm, I'm an inspirational speaker is what I am, right? By tearing you down, right? Dylan. You are a, a big time influencer, a motivator, a mentor, and you have done wonders for this basketball team in such a short amount of time, Rob Tribble. Living in a van down by the river. Eight Hawks of double figures. <laughs> Trey with 18 last night. John Collins with 19. I guess his trade rumors persist. I like these three with Capella. I mean, I, I don't know. what's What am I missing? But a big 40 point first quarter of. For the Hawks, but they did, however, give up uh, 37. But uh, here's Trey Young wishing it were uh, more thorough last night, I guess. Obviously, we wish we could have led from the beginning to the end like the last couple of games, but that's not realistic all the time. So I'm just glad when they took the lead, we were able to still fight and stay in it and uh, and take it back. So that's, that shows a lot from us. But, Trey, you, you, you scored 40 points in the first quarter. Um, I mean, I think we did a great job of starting the game out fast again. I think, I mean, that's gotten us these first 
Uh, I mean, last few wins, I think starting out the game fast is important. And uh, we've been doing a great job doing that. And, and there's one thing uh, people talked about when, um, you know, Murray got here to Atlanta. Said, well, Trey's not used to playing off the ball. Blah, 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 blah. Well, Nate McMillan uh, kind of disputes that notion. You know, when uh, we have a hot hand, he's feeding the hot hand, and he's allowing, uh, you know, those guys who are knocking down shots to uh, play with the basketball. You know, DJ had it going tonight, and Trey was calling his number uh, down the stretch when I put uh, those two back in the game. You know, so it, uh, you know, the, these are the things that uh, we 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 were looking for or have been looking for with DJ and Trey. Yeah. And when they coexist on the court at the same time, they seem to thrive. But some reason, Nate is very stubborn about that with the rotations. But I guess they're on the floor more together last night, and it's bearing fruit. The numbers even dictate that if you do a deeper dive into it, certainly. But uh, I think a big thing is, you know, Luca got his last night. He had 30 points. Spencer Dinwiddie had 20, but Luca did get his. But he didn't get him in the fourth quarter, though. And a big part of that is uh, putting Jonte on Luca. Uh, but I thought the second half, you know, we, we put DJ on him. And uh, he did a good job of just staying in front of him and making him turn his back, not allowing him to face up and, uh, you know, get downhill on us. Well, there you go. I mean, that, that's, that's a big deal. Luca was visibly frustrated last night. Like I said, I, next segment, I want to get into how similar their existences are. I mean, you talk about how they'll be Trey and Luke will be forever linked. Their situations with their team right now are like mirror images of each other. It, it's really kind of a weird how it's all. We're going to get into that more. I'm kind of focusing on what happened last night. As the Hawks get the win, 131-22. Four-game winning streak. They snuck above 500. they They're now nestled in the eighth uh, spot in the uh, Eastern Conference. But i, I got to be honest with you. I'm not expecting anything great. Th- for some reason, I'm not expecting anything big this year. I think it's going to be maddening how this season's going to end up for the Hawks, probably. They might even sneak up and win a playoff series, but you know it's going to be diminishing returns after that. Why do I feel that way? Because I'm a Hawks fan. That's just what, what it means. It's like a learned helplessness. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. Nate was up. It's a big deal when Clint Capella's not in there. Because that, that really kind of uh, makes the Hawks a smaller team and really vulnerable on the boards when it comes to rebounding. And here's Nate on having uh, Capella back. Yeah, of course, his conditioning has to get uh, – we have to get that back. And, you know, that's going to take, you know, a couple more games to uh, to do that. But, again, it's good to have him back, uh, you know, to have him out there uh, for the minutes that we have him with Oyeka uh, and have some size out on the floor. Uh, defending the paint and rebounding the basketball. And Nate, I, I, you know, Nate, you've always taught me that uh, patience is a virtue, haven't you? Uh, we've shown better patience in the last few games. Uh, I think we're doing a better job of attacking the basket, not settling on the perimeter for, you know, the really the first decent shot. Uh, we're working to get better shots, and we're shooting a higher percentage. How do you explain that, though? As bad as they have looked at times, and then now they're, they're playing proper basketball, you're seeing that. What has been the difference? Are they sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are they? And I know 
You sit there and think that they are all cloistered in their little environment and their bubble. No, they know what goes on. They know what people are saying. Or at least they know people that know what's being said about them. And the Hawks have not been looked upon very fondly on this radio station. All the calls we have taken. I mean, Dylan, you remember that guy that called? What was it last week? That was like the one that really stood out. I mean, he just sounded so weary when he called. He's probably hammered or high or whatever, but still, he sounded weary. He's like, I don't know, Tribs. Got season tickets now. Going down there just feels like a burden. I dread going, but I paid for it, so I'm going. I mean, that's that's kind of where the fan base has been. And maybe the team has created a sense of urgency within themselves due to just professional, personal pride, which what, what I think was maybe lacking because they were sleepwalking a lot first part of the season. And they're not off the hook yet. I mean, a four-game winning streak in January when you're the eighth seed when you should have been top four in the East on paper – you cannot talk about injuries all you want. I know that has a factor, especially when Capella's not in there. You tend to get out-rebounded. There's a size issue, certainly. I understand that. But another thing is they're playing uh, unselfish, playing very unselfish. Here's Nate on that. Well, you know, that's, that's the sacrifice that some of our guys are going to have to make night in and night out. You know, it's, it's not going to be you who put up the big numbers uh, you have to sacrifice and, and uh, allow the game to come to you. And I think Trey has really done a solid job. Wow, throwing bouquets at Trey. Well, Trey deserves credit for that. As much as we're willing to criticize Trey, and I don't do it maliciously. I just do it because he's a dude on my team that I love, and Trey's one of my guys, so I'm going to criticize him when I feel like there's a petulance and an immaturity going on. Well, that sounds like a one step towards maturity, I guess. Can we hear that again? I want to hear Nate complimenting Trey. I don't hear this very often. I want to hear this again. Well, you know, that's, that's the sacrifice that some of our guys are going to have to make night in and night out. You know, it's, it's not going to be you who put up the big numbers. Uh, you have to sacrifice and, and uh, allow the game to come to you. And I think Trey has really done a solid job. Has this all just come down to a, a combination? Have we been distracted by what we perceive to be a lot of dysfunction in that organization. It's still tangible dysfunction. I'm still not crazy about a 27-year-old Georgetown law graduate having the ultimate say over the Hawks. And a young GM in Landry Fields, and I, I'm saying the jury's out on him, and you've had a lot of experienced people in the front office leave because of the climate created clearly by Nick Ressler. Clearly. That's all valid. But the fact is now, have they, was this just a matter of getting healthy and having to cultivate chemistry with a guy like Jontae Murray coming in here? I guess two things can be true. And I know they're not necessarily playing every game thinking about what's going on in the front office, but it still has an effect on them. They're still worried about the Knicks tomorrow night. I understand that. But uh, Jason Kidd, <laughs> he had a pretty sarcastic remark about last night's game, the Mavs coach. You got to keep asking or demanding for those guys to play defense. It's not just the offensive end. And tonight, we give up 130. The team shot 57%. It's a shoot around. You know, and in, in this case, in this league, you do that, no matter if you have Luka or Kareem or LeBron, you're going to lose. Yeah. I still don't get that, though. The notion of, uh, I mean, a lot of your greats, your great greats, they play defense as well. And I, I'll always go – I don't sound like an old man. I'm not telling you to get off my lawn by saying this. But 
if you were gifted enough to be in the NBA, and I always see these guys, oh, he's a great scorer, but he can't play defense. No, he doesn't want to play defense. If you were athletic enough to figure out 35 different ways to lay the ball in the basket or shoot it or dribble, certainly, certainly you can play defense. If you have that athleticism on the offensive end, it should not be a problem or a stretch to do it on the defensive end. It comes down to desire. And also, I understand, though, there's also some nuance there. I get that. The fact that, um, well, maybe that night you're the only one that's creating any offense, so you have to preserve energy. I mean, Trey Young had to do that at Oklahoma. We've been over that a thousand times. He was the only offense the Oklahoma Sooners had, so he had to conserve energy. And that, I think that stunted his development, too, because he didn't have to worry about defense in college. So coming into the pros, he didn't have that. But you can develop it, though. And I hope he feels the urgency to develop that. Because right now, he's one-dimensional. He's wonderfully one-dimensional, highly entertaining, highly skilled, amazingly fun to watch. Came into the league with that chip on his shoulder that we all loved. But now that he seemed to have lost that edge because, I'll say it again, it seems like he really got preoccupied with the celebrity of the whole thing. I mean, he's only the second Atlanta Hawk since I've been following the Hawks. It just goes back to the 70s. Who's ever transcended this franchise and became like a national figure. Dominique and Trey, that's it. We've had some good players, but he's transcendent in the way Dominique was. A lot of people said Dominique didn't play any defense either. <laughs> They're too dang busy scoring. Who needs defense? Who needs defense? We just, hey, man, if he scores 40, I'll score 15. We'll win by three. It's all good. Dominique was too busy dunking on people, yeah. and Trey Young's too busy tricky dribbling <laughs> by people. The tricky dribble. The tricky dribble. Tricky dribble. I love it, Steve. Hold on. Tricky dribble. Yeah, too much, too much of that. At least we're uh, basically, now nah, we still kind of have a, uh, Little glimpses of uh, horrible nostalgia when it comes to uh, ISO Joe and dribble, 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 dribble. I will say, though, like you were saying about Trey Young and and his defense is starting to develop, he has had nine steals over the last three games. There you go. Led the team in in steals uh, last night, too. So he's at least, while he's maybe not bodying up people because he's obviously not the the biggest and the the tallest figure out there, He's getting his hands and that's in passing lanes, point. and he's getting steals. That's a great point. You can't necessarily body people, but you can do things to uh, make disrupt. Them, yeah, disrupt. But that's a that's a good point, though. That means, well, he's doing something. That comes down to desire. That's effort. That's effort. And that's all we want to see from him. Yeah. What is that, nine steals in the last three games? Nine in the last that's three. That's great. Good. Yay, I love Trey. It. All right. Yeah. See, I'm bragging on Trey. Even Nate was bragging on Trey. You never hear that anymore. So this is, um, okay, this is getting to be interesting because think about this. As an Atlanta sports fan with football coming to an end, it, it, it sucks if the Hawks aren't playing well. It's like, well, I guess I can wait for uh, the NFL draft and, uh, well, Georgia's spring game. <laughs> and I think Trey has really done a solid job. Wow, Nate. Look at you throwing bouquets at Trey. Isn't that precious? Aha! Aha! You know. <laughs> so I, I hope they can uh, – do something to uh, galvanize his fan base because right now the Hawks have a lethargic fan base. Little lethargic. Haven't haven't given up on them yet for this year, but you're starting to kind of look at them with a side eye, with a, looking at them with a jaundiced eye is what they're doing. So hopefully they can uh, put together some more wins and uh, let's keep it going, get five in a row against the Knicks tomorrow. How about this? Trey and Luca forever linked. 
But I'm telling you, the similarities between what they are um, living with, with their specific uh, franchises, is um, extremely similar and actually pretty fascinating. That's next. Triple in for Chuck Reed, Sports Radio 1990 Game. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Yes, I am an easy lover. Triple hit for Chuckery. Chuckery back tomorrow night after the Hawks next game. Hawks looking for their fifth in a row. I'm always accused of finishing too early, but I'm an easy lover. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how similar Trey and Luca's existences are with their respective teams. Of course, on draft night a few years ago, Luca put on a Hawks cap. Trey put on a Mavericks hat. And then they, of course, switched hats and cities and all the things. Same existence, though. Both elite scorers. Both have had falling out with uh, former coaches. Um, of course, Trey with a... Uh, with Lloyd Pierce and now a little bit Nate, but maybe they maybe they put a Band-Aid over that. Who knows? And uh, Rick Carlisle and Luca did not. Luca didn't like the way uh, Carlisle treated uh, certain players, and apparently trained some of the Hawks didn't like the way Lloyd Pierce really um, would tend to mock certain players as well. So that's a that's a thing. Both have exactly the same supermax contract. Both have a five-year, $215 million contract, averaging about $43 million a year. Now, Luca's in every reasonable MVP conversation, but with Dallas struggling so much, and if they somehow don't make the playoffs, that MVP dream's going to go away. Both teams have had surprising runs to the conference finals. Of course, Mavericks last year, Hawks two years ago. But that appears to be the ceiling for both teams right now. Defense is an issue. And the Mavericks are struggling, but the West is such a mess. That's why they're in the fifth seed out. Isn't it amazing how, remember how bad the East was compared to the Western Conference a few years ago? Everything switches, though. Everything switches. But it's, a, it's really interesting how that is. And, of course, um, you know, the Hawks are also dealing with that inexperienced front office. Depleted assets, too. And that's a big reason why Travis Schlink isn't here anymore. Because Nick Ressler's hell-bent on getting DeJounte Murray here, and that's I love DeJounte Murray, but, you know, sometimes you can spend too much, though. You give up three first-round picks, and guess what? That's a huge obstacle in trading John Collins if they're so hell-bent to do so. His contract is a big deal, so you need to add extra assets to make that deal more palatable. Well, you don't have a lot of extra assets now. And same thing with the Mavericks. The Porzingis deal, that kind of cost them a little bit. And he's not even there anymore. So they're kind of dealing with the same thing. And wasn't there something offered up not too long ago? Wouldn't it be funny if Trey and Luke actually end up eventually teaming up somewhere? See it happening. Would not be surprised. And there's even talk that uh, trading Trey is on the table. Now, now that you've won four in a row, people aren't going to be too pre- as preoccupied with that. It's, it's funny how winning can kind of cure any sort of uh, notions of dysfunction, at least in the short term. But you lose two in a row. Collins trade rumors, trade trade rumors, going to come back to the uh, forefront. 
And there's all sorts of rumors out there involving John Collins. Not even enough to get into at this point. Because clearly it's, a, it's, it's tough to try to deal him. And I personally wish they wouldn't. I like Capel, I like Collins, I like Trey, and I like Murray in the starting lineup. I wish we still had Kevin Herter. You know, it wouldn't suck to get a shooter, maybe. But if you want to be a championship team, you have to have, you have to be able to play good te- defense because most nights, good defense does not take a night off unless another team is just far more, in a way, supremely more talented than you. And there's usually that, that, not that much of a talent golf in the NBA. Of course, there can be, but not drastically so. The notion defense wins championships. Well, defense plays a huge role in the postseason. And if you're a perimeter-oriented team, and your best players are perimeter guys shooting from outside, like Trey. Of course, Trey can get be a little shifty in the paint, too, with his floaters. We'll get that. Well, guess what? Some nights the shots aren't falling. But if you're a good defensive team, chances are that's not going to take a night off unless you're just absolutely fatigued from a, from a back-to-back. And the defense has been suffering on the Hawks. But at times it's, it's been pretty well, and Clint Capella makes a big difference as far as rebounding goes. But it is fascinating to see how similar not only Trey and Luca being forever linked on draft night, being traded for each other, but what the issues are surrounding their specific teams. And you don't hear all the bad things that you've heard about Trey. That You don't hear as much bad things about Luca as you do Trey. But Luca has gotten a coach fired. And I'm sure he has more influence there than you think because he's a superstar. He's going to have an ego as well. But there's a petulance with Trey that I think uh, a lot of the Atlanta fans don't like very much. But apparently, maybe Trey's growing up. An example's last night. DeJounte Murray was the hot hand. Trey was okay. He was willing to defer to him. That's good. That's a great sign. He's not forcing it. Not forcing the issue. So, of course, Hawks with the Knicks tomorrow night in town right here on Sports Radio 99 Game. And, again, John Chuckery, his triumphant return tomorrow. And I think Trey has really done a solid job. Wow, look at that. But, you know, what, what has been the Hawks' big problem this year? Blowing fourth-quarter leads, basically. Maybe bad first quarters, a much better second quarter. They've been a really good third-quarter team. And it seems like fourth-quarter things fall apart. But last night, a complete effort. Maybe they have turned a corner. I hope so. I mean, the, the way they won last night certainly uh, makes me a little bit more hopeful than I was last week. But I'm, I'm kind of a prisoner of the moment with, as a sports fan, like most of us are. I get very emotional when it comes to these teams in this town. It's not the most important thing in my world. Believe me, I do have family and friends I love and care about. But, you know, when I am focused on it, I care. And now it's my job to talk about what I think about. So I carry that emotions with me all the time, like with the Falcons this year. And that was, uh, that was tough. You have, a, you have a team that wasn't expected to do anything. And, again, being a prisoner of the moment, and I'm bad about that. Came into the season thinking, I just want you to be interesting and competitive. They were both those things. And then I look up at the standings in November because the NFC South is so terrible. Wow, we have a chance to make the playoffs. And then you start losing games in the most Falcon way possible. It, start, it wears on you and gets you a little upset. And I certainly vented, thank goodness, I had the chance to get on the air for Falcons flyover and listen to fans talk about it as well. Just, just what a win in this town. We've, got, we've had a bit of winning. And I'm, I'm going to claim Georgia championships because I'm a Georgia fan. been going to Athens for games since I was a kid and covered them for 
over 20 years. Loving the fact the Braves won two years ago, finally. And that, that was the thing. The prior time the Braves won in uh, 1995, we were coming off the baseball strike. So people felt a certain way about baseball. We're like, the hell with you. Millionaires and billionaires arguing over money. And, and the fans resent that. And we felt a certain way about baseball. So when the Braves won the 95 World Series, and believe it or not, that was a shortened season too, by the way, by like a month or something like that. It didn't the, – the celebration was nothing like what it was two years ago in the Braves one. It was very subdued. We didn't riot. We didn't burn cars, throw couches out windows, stuff I normally like to do if my teams won championships. Very subdued in 95. We just haven't done a lot of winning in this town, and it's very frustrating. Atlanta United kind of popped the cork on that, and I was surprised at how emotional that made me. I was there that night with my daughter when they beat Portland for the, uh, for the MLS title in that epic apocalyptic rainstorm that night. The sideways rain is about 42 degrees. It was, uh, actually made the night even more surreal and cool there with my daughter. And that, that was great to see. But then the Braves. And now if the Hawks should get there, and it was uh, such a cruel tease two years ago. Hawks, uh, just a, a Trey Young sprained ankle away from getting to the finals, and I, I think they would have beat Phoenix that year. I just, I really do. They certainly would have given them a good shot. It would have been a seven-game series at the very least. The Braves finally break through, falls short last year. We're actually going to mention the Braves tonight, too, by the way. I haven't really talked about them much because uh, guess what? It's getting about be about that time. What's today? What's tomorrow? The 20th. Pitchers and catchers report. I know for uh, the Rays on Valentine's Day. So we are just a few weeks away from that. Pitchers and catchers report, and uh, year one without Dan's being up, we're going to come back and we'll get into the Braves a little bit later on, talking about what's going to happen to shortstop. What about what if Vaughn Grissom can't do it? Oh, he can't play left field either. That is the thing that drives me the most. And Chuckery's done this too. And I've, I, I, I agree with Chuckery a lot of times. Not on this though. He thought the notion of Vaughn Grissom in left field is like the most. It's like challenging, more challenging than climbing Mount Everest without oxygen while smoking. Your middle infielders are your best athletes. I'm pretty sure he can track a fly ball very well and cover a lot of ground. If you put him out there with a Michael Harris and Acuna, right, that's like a 4 by 400 relay team, you know? But we'll get into that. I, I'm, I'm all over the place right now. I'm having these racing thoughts because thinking about, you know, the plight of Trey and Luca, kind of living the same existence with their respective teams and just kind of uh, spawned into other things. I sound like an old man at the nursing home just – Talking to himself, feeding the pigeons on a park bench, you know, just just having these random racing thoughts. But what are you going to do? And, of course, we're going to get into uh, all the NFL this weekend. So we got eight teams left. You know, there's going to be some shootouts this weekend. Think about this. Eight teams left. We have seven teams. We have Seven teams in the top ten in offensive efficiency. Only five have top ten defenses. Of course, we got the uh, Jags and Chief on, Chiefs on Saturday at four thirty. Giants Eagles Saturday night eight fifteen. Do the Eagles have a shot? I mean, do the Giants have a shot in that one? Hmm. Bengals Bills on Sunday. I don't think the Bengals give a damn play anywhere. They play in the parking lot. They just have. It's funny how Joe Burrow's swagger and. What did he say? I love what he said last week. Our championship window is open as long as I'm here. Love that. And I think the Bengals kind of have adapted his 
this kind of demeanor about things. They don't care. They're not worried about going to Buffalo to play the Bills. Certainly. And, of course, Cowboys 49ers on Sunday at uh, 630. Uh, Dak, news for you. Good for you for having the day you had against Tampa Bay on Monday night, especially the way you've been struggling all year. I don't know if you're going to thrive the way you did out there against that 49er defense, though. Boy, I cannot wait to watch this stuff. Absolutely. Rob Tribble in for a John Chucker again. Chuckery in a tomorrow night. And the Hawks and Knicks. Hawks looking for their fifth win in a row. And like I said, okay. I don't know what the Hawks are going to be able to do with the trade deadline, though, by February 9th. And like I said, John Collins, that contract, you need assets to couple with him to move him. And the assets probably just don't seem to be there because you mortgaged your future and you donated a kidney to get Murray in town. And I'm okay with that, but, you know, still. still. Mavericks in the same position also. But you got to think about the NBA, though. Every year, there's only about four teams that have a legitimate chance to win a title. Your other teams, they're going to just hopefully play for a lottery pick and rebuild. And then the ones that are kind of in the middle, they're just hoping to mint enough money to pay for all their expenses. And maybe find a way to get a little bit better through uh, pieces here and uh, pieces there. So, All right, going to come back. Jante Murray on a podcast with uh, Matt Barnes. What is that podcast called? All the Smoke. All the Smoke. And Steven Jackson, really tough dude, former Spur. Interesting thing Jante Murray had to say to them. We got to know him a little bit, and it's it pretty cool to hear. We're going to hear that next and comment on it. Triple in for Chuckery, Sports Radio, 1990 The Game. 